Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hello, everyone. Scott Cowan here. I'm your host for the Exploring Washington State podcast. And this episode is a conversation between myself and Eliana Sheriff, the news anchor at Keeper TV, K-E-P-R, in Tri-Cities, Washington. This is a kind of a fun conversation we had about her journey to the state and what she does in her spare time and how local news in the Tri-Cities has started. So I think you'll find this episode interesting. I know I enjoyed recording it with her. And so without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is my first podcast, so I don't know how we'll do here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll be just just fine. So why don't you give our listeners a bit of your backstory and how you came to the Tri-Cities? Okay. Uh, I got into the news business right after college. I went to Loyola Marymount University in California. And I submitted an audition reel, essentially, um, all over the country. I got a bite in South Dakota, Rapid City. And my news director there at the time asked me if I could move there in five days. And so I did, sight unseen. Sight <laughs> and, unseen. Uh, sight unseen to South Dakota. I really had no idea what to expect. And, and I had lived at home for college. So to give you a little bit more perspective of what a big shift this was for me. Um, I stayed in South Dakota for about two years uh, as a producer. I started as a producer and then I moved on to reporting. And then I moved to Medford, Oregon, Southern Oregon. Uh, I was there for almost two years. And while I was there, I, you know, at a certain point, you make a reel showcasing your best work. And I was applying uh, different places. And somehow my news director here in Tri-Cities saw my reel and said, hey, would you want to fly out here for an anchor audition? And I was not, um, I never applied here, which is kind of crazy. And I think it's a, it just goes to show that sometimes life will put opportunities right there for you. And you got to keep your eyes open to that. Uh, but I was absolutely grateful for this opportunity. I flew out here, did an audition, um, and got hired, which, which has been awesome. I, I have loved being here for the two years I've been here and it was a great move. Yeah. So you went to college, but you lived at home. Yes. So it was the first time you lived on your own in South Dakota. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. That was a culture (laughs) shock, right? Because I'm I'm from LA. Okay. So you know, it's it's funny when I when I pictured South Dakota, I pictured no people and like you know cobblestone streets and horse drawn carriages. Not really, but you know what I mean. Just kind of, I did not know what to expect, and I grew to love South Dakota. And when I tell some people that they're like, what, you know? Um, but I really think South Dakota is kind of like a hidden gem. Um, I did have a horse at the time. So maybe that's why I really kind of fit in there. There's a lot of, you know, Western equestrian community, uh, rodeo scene, all that. Um, but even just like we were saying, the Sturgis motorcycle rally is there. That's exciting. And, and it was, uh, it was a really special place for me. Yeah, when I think of South Dakota, I think of Deadwood, the show. You know, yes. so I think it's like frozen in the 1800s, wooden yep. sidewalks, cowboys being thrown out of upper windows, and yes. which isn't right. It which isn't right at all because when I did the one time I drove through South Dakota, um, was close to Sturgis, not yep. right at the time when they would all be gathering, but yeah. there was so many motorcycles. I mean, it was just yeah. so many beautiful motorcycles. So that was interesting. It, 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 uh, it's funny. I haven't seen the show Deadwood, but I've been to Deadwood and I highly recommend it. It's a really cool place. So I haven't been there, but I've seen the show. So there we go. Well, right. we got to both do the other part of it. So. <laughs> the other part of it. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm exploring Washington right now. I guess I, I can't go to another state until I get done here, which and seems like so much here. Yeah. There's so much here. So I haven't seen it all. I really haven't. So you do 
the nightly news. And I'm curious from a, from a point of how does one go about, how does your team go about deciding what stories about the local Tri-Cities area that you cover? I mean, the national stuff, the, you know, the, the politics, COVID, weather, that's all kind of laid out for you every day, I would gather. So because I'm the evening anchor, I get there at 2.30 and the day has been decided, right? They have our news director and reporters and producer have the morning meeting and that's where they brainstorm and uh, throw out story ideas. And then the reporters are sent on their way for the day to gather that content. Um, so when I get in, I I don't, you know, everything's kind of lined up. Um, sometimes I will have a story after the six o'clock show to go get in time to turn for the 11 o'clock show. Sometimes there's breaking news uh, and sometimes there's not a whole lot going on. So I would say I don't have a huge part in deciding that content for the day. Um, But I wanted to bring up, because you asked me about how we source our stories. And I think that Facebook has become a really, really great resource for finding stories, especially because they're localized, you know, Um, you see maybe a restaurant posting pictures of, of something good or someone posting, you know, I mean, recently there's been Facebook groups that have opened or been created specifically about COVID. One of them is flatten the curve, tri cities. And the other one is, I think it's called like reopen tri cities, but you know, the more that these groups become popular, people start posting different concerns that they have or questions that they have. And if you, you can browse that and then usually get pretty good ideas. So I think, you know, before we, you know, we always like to get press releases and stuff and that kind of gives us a clue of what's going on. But really Facebook has been especially, sorry to ramble here, but especially with us being in the age of, you know, cell phone videos going viral, man, you know, that that already starts a story by itself. And if it's something local, um, you know, we're usually pretty interested. So, so, so before you get there every day, the, the team has already decided kind the of the team, framework of the, the frame yeah. of framework of each. Okay. Yep. And you know, we have two to three reporters a day and, and they're out in the community or they're already back at the station working on putting their story together, writing it, <laughs> editing it, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that the reporters are really a one-man band. You know, they shoot their stories, get the interviews, they write their stories, they edit their stories, and um, yeah, it's a lot of work for one person. So I, I've been there. I did that for about three and a half years. Uh, so it's it's definitely um, it is a grind. So, how many people approximately does it take to put on? In the nightly news? You know, we have about three reporters a day. Um, mm-hmm. And and so that's, that's how we get our local content for our first block of the show is mainly most of your local news. Uh, sometimes we'll sprinkle local news a little later in the show. But um, typically the way that we do it is, you know, we'll have your local news first and then we'll transition into some big national stories. And there was always something going on, right? So, um, but we're not writing and editing those ourselves. We are able to pull from, you know, CBS or CNN. So that that is, uh, that's how we get that content. And then we have weather and in sports and the six and 11. So our, our shows are only half an hour, which which is pretty pretty easy to fill content in just half an hour. An hour would be probably a challenge. Um, my old station, we had an hour long newscast four five and six o'clock, just back to back. Um, so, well, the five was like half an hour, but still that was like a lot of content to fill. So 
I think half an hour is a, is a good time. Um, a good length for our broadcasts for sure. So in the two years that you've been with keeper, what stories pop up when I ask you like locally in the Tri-Cities, like what stories were kind of memorable to you? Good, maybe not good, but you know, what's happened in Tri-Cities in the last couple of years that you think is like, wow, that was really kind of impactful. <laughs> it's funny. The first thing that comes to my mind, this isn't necessarily good, but we had a story about tumbleweeds go viral, you know, tumble get in, Right. Um, all of these tumbleweeds going onto the highway and actually trapping a car and Washington State Patrol put up a tweet of this, you know, video of this car completely um, buried under tumbleweeds. So that's like a very Tri-Cities thing to happen. Um, but I would say I'm, <laughs> that is also, I, I honestly, a very hard question because we have so many different stories every single day. So, uh, there's a lot to choose from. I think some of the feature stories that I've done, uh, reported on and then, you know, introduced as, as on the anchor desk. Um, I got to fly with, uh, WSP trooper in the sky and he showed me how he was able to, monitor speed on, you know, busy weekends. Sometimes you see that sign saying patrolled by aircraft. So it was really crazy to be up there in the plane uh, and see just exactly how he does that from the sky. Um, that was a really memorable experience. Uh, I did. So a, oh, how ahead. do, how do they, for those of us that like to speed, how do they, um, how do they monitor that? So they have like different markers. He, he was able to do it very quickly. Um, so he would be the better one to explain that. Uh, and the stories on my Facebook page, <laughs> okay. of TV, uh, but they are able to basically kind of use these markers to calculate what the speed is and then they're able to communicate with the trooper on the ground and say hey this person's going 80 and they shouldn't be um right. so it was it was a really it was really cool um there was a story that i did about a teenager 17 year old in pasco who wanted to make some money for college and he decided to open up a rolled ice cream business. And then he ended up basically doing that full time, expanded to a second location, you know, and it's just this really unique way to eat ice cream. But I was just so impressed that there's this teenager that, you know, it's not your typical side job as a teenager, but he saw so much success in, in doing this. And I just thought that that initiative was really inspiring. So that, that was a story that I really, plus, I mean, come on, there's ice cream. What, what's not what, there? what is rolled ice cream? I mean, rolled I'm ice not cream. With that. Yeah. So he basically has um, like a cold, you know, circular, sheet basically um i'm forgetting the word um but he is able to pour this like cream on it and roll it with a like a scraper essentially and uh it's it's very pretty looking it doesn't really taste much different than regular ice cream but i think just the presentation uh is really uh is really nice so oh. Yeah, so that's that's not something that you find everywhere. I think that he like saw it when he was on a, on a vacation, and then was like, "Oh, Tri Cities doesn't have this. This would be cool." So, I thought that that was um, really unique. And okay. <laughs> and now is he where in Tri Cities is that place located at? And I'm asking because next time I come through, I'm going to try it out. Please do. Yeah. Uh, he has two locations and they are both in Pasco. Pasco and his, okay. his first location, he opened up, um, he opened up 
near his parents' market. So his parents, you know, have a little market and he was in a little place right next to it. And then his sister actually has her own coffee stand. So I'm just like, your family is awesome. <laughs> that's cool. That's very cool. I love entrepreneurs. I think that's yeah. a... Well, especially you're 17, you know, I wasn't doing that at 17 and I, I'm so inspired by our youth, you know, whenever I see stories of kids just doing, he's not quite a kid, but you know, in general, uh, young, younger people doing very ambitious things. I'm like a lot of, I have a lot of respect for them. So I think their story is, should be told, you know, inspire more people, right? Right. Absolutely. I love that. So in the two years that you've been in the Tri-Cities market, what changes have you noticed in the, in the, in the community? Because what I didn't realize until maybe five or six years ago, uh, really wasn't because I lived on the West side of the state and didn't really think about Eastern Washington at that time. I didn't realize how large Tri-Cities has become as far as I think there's like 300,000 people in that general metropolitan area, which makes it larger than Tacoma. And yeah. I, I was surprised. And then uh, I have a friend that lives in, in Pasco and we were talking one day about the airport there and all of the, you can go to San Francisco, um, Salt Lake city, Minneapolis, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. I want to say Phoenix, Denver. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that the tri cities has grown to such a level that, it would warrant a, 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 I guess I'll have to call it a regional airport, but one that, you know, isn't just like here in Wenatchee, we fly to Seattle and then we get on the, our Spokane. We don't, Wenatchee only flies from Wenatchee to, to Seattle. We can't go from Wenatchee to Spokane at this time. But so if I lived in Tri-Cities, I could hop on a plane and go to San Francisco for the weekend if I wanted to, which would be fun. Right. So what have you noticed since your transplant in the last couple of years in the area that's changed? Uh, I definitely have noticed on Facebook that our fan base has grown tremendously. Um, and then, and then just, you know, locally we have a lot of new construction, new apartment complexes being built, new, you know, residential neighborhoods that, um, yeah, I would say that it is growing just like you mentioned, the population has boomed, um, especially. So I think I've noticed a lot more construction and, um, maybe some, some new businesses, you know, new restaurants. Um, I think COVID has made it hard for some new businesses, but it's interesting to see how people are adapting, and overcoming that struggle. Yeah, indeed. I was reading this about Walla Walla, but one of the things currently at the time of this recording is that restaurants are very limited to what they, how many people they can seat indoors. So it's hard for a restaurant. Restaurants aren't particularly profitable anyway. And to say you can only have 50% capacity or only serve tables of five, um, things like that. Um, so what Walla Walla did was they blocked off one of their streets in downtown yes, and, and allowed all the restaurants to put tables outside so that they could serve more people. Yep. I, I think that's a great way of navigating this situation that we're all, we're all in right now. Yep. And we actually did a story on that and it, it actually looked incredibly festive with, with the lights and, you know, it fits in with the summer. People would probably opt for dining outside because it's so nice out. Um, but that was that was very creative. And and I've seen just driving around town, you know, restaurants building their own little patio areas and putting up tents and, you know, roping off areas so the people can dine outside. So people are, people are really adapting. I mean, you have to, but, um, we have, we've had it rough. Uh, we've, we've really been held back and kind of stuck. It took us a really long time to move even to a modified phase one. 
And so I think since we've had the mask mandate, um, I was just at Winco yesterday and everyone's wearing a mask, right? You have to for service. But we've also seen a big drop in our case rate since implementing the mask mandate. So you've noticed that then. Okay, that's that's I interesting because I don't I don't pay that close of attention to it. But <laughs> at the news station you might. I mean that might be something that would be yep. interesting positive reinforcement for us to be wearing masks when we're out and about. Absolutely. Is that the is that the cases are going down. Oh, up here in Chelan County we're we're kind of in that modified one point five or yes. yeah, one point five. And it's I don't know, our cases are increasing at least the reporting of the case is increasing. The reason I say that is I would look at the Seattle times and it seemed like Chelan County's numbers never, ever increased. And right. then all of a sudden now they're increasing at a rapid, rapid rate. And I don't know that I, I don't know how accurate, I just don't know how accurate the numbers are, but that's right. neither here nor there. It's just, it's, I'm finding it fascinating when I talk to people around the state, how we're, how we're all, adapting to, you know, what is required of us to keep our doors open or um, to how we're handling I mean, kids are going to be staying home from school. It looks like, and, and oh how is that going to impact the households? Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine being a student right now. Yeah. I was talking to this um, family earlier last week, like, excuse me, not so earlier, late, late last week. And, their son had just graduated from high school this year and it didn't click with me. And then all of a sudden I turned around and I looked at him. I said, Oh wow. Your senior year was really messed up. And he just looked at me and he goes, you have no idea. Yeah. I, I, you, know, you had no idea what, what I just endured. And he's going off to a college at central this year in Ellensburg. And he was saying how, uh, how central was handling. He's actually going to be in the dormitories and how they were uh, limiting students and what central was trying to do. And, and, all these institutions are just trying to figure this out on the fly. Right. And I don't know, I don't know that there's a, well, there's certainly not a clear path to success here for any of us to do anything. Right. Um, so anyway, that's interesting to me. The race for the vaccine continues. Yes. Yes. So how we found out about you was you, saw an article on our website yep. and that article, I lack of a better word inspired. And it sounds pretty grandiose, but um, <laughs> it inspired you, but you, you, you saw an article and yep. you went and checked out the place yourself. Yes. And then you recorded a video That's and right. then you left a comment saying, Hey, I did this video. Uh, check it out. And I'm paraphrasing. And I did what nobody should do, which is I clicked on a link and a comment on a website. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. But I did. And here we are now talking. Yes. And yes. you created this video. Yes, I did. Um, so tell us. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am doing some vlogging on YouTube. It's very new um, and it, it comes pretty naturally, although, you know, trial and error and being consistent will, will make anything better. Um, but I was looking for unique things to do in our beautiful state of Washington and came across the article about the Wallaby Ranch. And that is way up my alley. So I, I took a trip there they were open during these COVID times, you know, masks and social distancing, of course. Um, although you don't have to social distance with the wallabies and kangaroos. But yeah, I made a I made a blog a vlog, a vlog, not a blog, about the experience. And um and so that that is kind of what I'm doing on the weekends, right? Uh, during during the weekdays, I'm reporting on local news. And on the weekends, I'm uh, going on adventures and kind of documenting it because there's a lot of stuff that people don't don't know about in, in our area. Um, like my co-anchors had never heard of the Wallaby Ranch, right? You don't think of Washington and think of kangaroos. Um, so that was that was cool to be able to share that with people. And I actually had two people say that they went to the Wallaby Ranch after I made that video. So 
I think it's it's nice to find things to do right now, especially since options are limited, and um, and just let people know that that there's there's a lot to do in Washington. Like I was saying, I have not seen it all, so I have a lot of homework. <laughs> Well, our tagline is there's always more to explore. So that's, it's kind of, and you know, just when you think you might've quote unquote seen it all, something new will happen or, you know, there'll be changes. So one of your other videos that you posted recently was you got to spend a weekend or on a houseboat in Seattle. Yeah. Which was so cool. So cool. Well, why was it so cool? What was so cool about it? I mean, what was, uh, um, Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Um, No, (laughs) we're good. We're good. We stayed on uh, Lake Union, and I didn't know this when we were there, but I guess the famous houseboat from Sleepless in Seattle is also in that area. But I wanted to find a, a unique stay on Airbnb, and I found this little houseboat and thought that it would be a cool way to to have an adventure and see Seattle and hang out in the city during the day and then come back to the water and see what it would be like. And it was, it's really peaceful. It was absolutely stunning to see the lights of the city from the water, just to stand on the dock, kind of have that, you know, light, you know, waving from, from the water. Um, And the community there was really, really welcoming and helpful. And I think part of that is probably because you're so close together in these floating communities. But I found it interesting that a lot of the people I talked to, because I am a social butterfly, um, you kind of have to be to be in the news. You got to you gotta have questions and you got to talk to people. And so I was asking them about, you know, if this is their houseboat. And most people were just renting them for a couple months just to get, you know, different life experience and change of scenery. And one woman even had like her dog, you know, on the houseboat and she's like, I'm doing a six month rental. And I just thought, wow, that'd be really cool. (laughs) So I think, um, and, and I mean that I was reading when I made my video after I did the stay, I tried to do some research about floating communities specifically in Seattle. And there is so much history that you just wouldn't even know about, you know, there's, when you think of houseboats in Seattle now, you probably think, oh, these are like really expensive and, you know, kind of a, kind of a luxury item. But a long time ago, it was like not a wanted thing. It was something that, you know, the land lovers kind of looked down upon and this is for scalawags and not, not desired to have. So it's, there's so much history, which, by the way, well, I guess we're not talking about Seattle, but um, okay, they're, they're walking. They're walking tour is also really cool. Um, underground walking tour, but yeah, there's oh, yeah. there's there's a lot of, I think the the historical, you know, information is also interesting, especially when you're in those places. If you if you know that, I wish I would have done some research before we stayed on the boat, but it was still really fun. I had no idea that because when I think my perception of houseboats and when I lived in Seattle was, wow, those are really expensive. I wish I, I wish I could have bought one for what I thought was really expensive in the eighties um, versus now. Right. But those were really expensive and they were, you know, quirky and, you know, it, it, certainly an eccentric way of living because right. it's very confined, very, um, kind of like the whole, the whole mini house thing that's going on right now, the whole, you know, yep. but, but on water. And I always thought they were really cool. And that's, that's kind of a beautiful area right there on Lake union. And with, with the, the backdrop of the city, it's, you know, it's stunning, Yep. but I would not have thought that those would have been undesirable because they're certainly so desirable now yeah. for yeah. us uh, to, to go to, but I don't think I could live on one. I think I'd, I'd like to stay there. I'd like to rent one for a month, maybe. And yeah. after a month, I'd probably be ready to go get my feet on ground and have Absolutely. You know, a little bit more el- elbow room. That was my takeaway for sure. Um, but, you know, at one point there were 2,500 
Uh, and now they're really? like, you know, less than 600. I looked online. It was hard to find an exact number, but for sure less than 600. And uh, they put a cap on it. So, you know, all those were kind of grandfathered in. And um, but back in like the 50s and 60s, uh, there were a lot of people wanting to live on a houseboat. And so at one time there were a lot more and then that uh, changed so it, it's, it's interesting to, to take the time to read about, I mean, anything. There's, there's stuff locally, too, right, that, that's interesting, too. I went to the Grand Coulee Dam a couple weeks ago. And, you know, when you think about the, the great floods that shaped a lot of, you know, the landscape you see around our area, it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around well and especially with grand coulee when you when you drive up to it and you realize just the massive scale of how well how massive that structure is it's just yeah. absolutely um it, it's it's amazing and then when you did you drive into coulee um um into the town of coulee dam where all the little the yep. tree line street. Yeah. Yep. There's all the tree line streets with all the cute little houses that were built for the engineers that were building that thing. That was kind of the company town. Yeah. And, and it's just, when you drive through there now, it's, it's, they're really cool. And yet if you look over your shoulder, if you will, there's this gigantic concrete structure. I mean, it's yeah. just massive. Yep. Yeah. And, and in the Columbia in river, the Columbia river just impacted Washington state in the last hundred years. Amazing. The changes that it's made to our region and the, with the, your, the abundance of power, uh, cheap hydroelectricity and yes. the abundance of irrigation water, what it's done to central and Eastern Washington. I don't know that tri cities would be as large as it is right now. I don't know that, you know, Wenatchee would be as large as it is right now. I don't know that Moses Lake would be, you know, it's just the river has totally changed central and eastern Washington. Yep. Um, you know, right now in time of COVID, you know, we're not doing some fun things, but down in Tri-Cities, you know, the the unlimited hydroplane races on the, on the river. Um, that's the one thing I knew about Tri-Cities as a kid was the, the hydro races in, in Tri-Cities. They had the hydro races on Lake Washington and right. so and then they had the hydro races in uh, Tri Cities, and we had to cancel water water follies this year, which was you know crushing for for a lot of people. I we, just we, read that Prosser had to cancel their balloon, balloon fest. Yeah, we had to cancel the fair. I mean, yeah. ugh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about COVID for. I, a long time, you know, because there's just oh, yeah. so much that has changed. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's just unfathomable when you, when you start to really start to think about it. Yeah. Somebody posted this meme on Facebook about what, nobody got it right. Five years ago when they asked you in 2015, what's life going to be, what's your life going to be like in 2020? Yeah. Not one of us guessed what is happening. There's no, just nobody, you couldn't. nobody predicted this. You couldn't, you know? But here we so, are, and we're all in it together. Right, <laughs> so, we're all in it together. And, as that sounds. Well, yes, it is. It does sound cliched, but at the same time, it is. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And in our conversations with people, both on the podcast and just daily conversations with people, it's it's been really encouraging to hear some of the creative ways that people are adapting businesses are adapting and trying to navigate through this unprecedented situation. Yes. There's a, a, a company up in twist called equipped. Um, they make these vinyl bags that are bulletproof. I mean, they're just, they're like amazing how durable they are. And when COVID hit, they pivoted from making bags to trying to make 10,000 masks Wow. To give to the community. And so here they are making masks for everybody. And I was up there talking to him one day and 
they've designed all these new design. He's a design. He's a, um, um, I'll just call him a designer. I'm, I'm forgetting the exact word and he'll, he'll forgive me for that too, but he's designed all these new face masks and he's using these, you know, high tech fabrics and, and just trying to make masks as functional as possible right. without being bulky and heavy and, you know, and so there's a, there's a little company that's adapted and then in a kind of a funny nature, I mean, who would have ever thought that masks would become an advertising vehicle and yet you see people wearing masks that have Nike on them or you see people wearing masks that have Seahawks logo on them. Right. I mean, it's just kind of funny to me that we've, I have one with a rubber chicken on it. <laughs> I walk, I walk around with this giant beard hanging off my chin and a rubber chicken mask on. And people just look at me like I'm the strangest guy in the world, which isn't that. Yeah. It's, you know, it is what it is. Yes. So tell us about, all right, you're going to ask you to start telling us some secrets. Uh oh. Tell us about some places in Tri Cities. Oh, okay, I can. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. Not, we're not putting you on. We're not putting you on that big, big of a hot spot. So, what's some cool places in Tri Cities that if somebody were to come down there and they were going to say stay overnight, so they get you know evening, afternoon, evening, and then morning and afternoon, you know, okay. time frame. Okay. Where should they go that they're not going to necessarily find on their own? Okay. Okay, man, there's, there's so much to recommend. Um, food restaurants here, I think are great. Let's say it's the morning, you know, you're getting up for breakfast, you're, you're getting ready to go down to the river area and drink your coffee. I would highly recommend going to Roasters. Um, it's our Tri-Cities, you know, local uh, coffee chain. And I'm, I absolutely love roasters. It's, uh, kind of the rival to, to Dutch bros in the area. Um, I'm a roasters girl. That is a secret. Uh, okay. nothing against Dutch bros. I know that that, that rival can get intense, uh, rivalry, but so get your roasters. Um, if you're wanting a bite to eat, I would say go check out uh, Kagan's Coffee and Crepes. Get a crepe. They have savory crepes. They have sweet crepes. It's it's just really delicious. Uh, for lunch, I really like Foodies. It's rated number one on TripAdvisor for good reason. Um, I would recommend the fish tacos and chips. And what's unique about their chips is they have mandarin salsa, which I discovered recently. So that that's pretty unique. Um, there's also a lot of restaurants on the waterfront, which I'm sure you can imagine. I would recommend people go to Lulu's Craft Bar and Grill. And Lulu's is a little special to me because I went for a brunch there and ran into Post Malone. So that was pretty <laughs> unexpected. That was that was last summer. What a different time it was. Um, but they also have great food. So since this is a podcast, our listeners can't see the perplexed look on my face. Oh God. <laughs> Post Malone. Post Malone. What am I missing? Oh, no way. Okay. I, 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 Post Malone. Carl Malone played in the NBA. Post Malone, don't know. Post Malone is a very famous rapper. Um, he was in town for the Pendleton Whiskey Fest. I mean, he's worth $14 million. So, you know, he's... He's, he's doing pretty well, but he's, he's very famous. I have never <laughs> heard that name. Now, now I'm not shocked that I haven't heard that name, but okay. So I bet you've heard right. his, like, I can guarantee you've heard one of his songs cause they're always on the radio. And you know, I, I gotta tell you, it's funny because I took, a, I took a picture with him. Right. Um, okay. and I posted it and out of, Anything I've ever posted on Facebook, you know, graduating college, getting my first job, getting a second job. This picture got the most likes I've ever received. And this was for me being in the right place at the right time and snapping a picture with someone famous. And I just think that that is really interesting, you know, that that 
that uh, that was what people liked the most. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so if, if you're like me and you don't know who Post Malone is, go check him out. If you know who Post Malone is, you can laugh at me. There we go. Yes. Okay. So, so besides getting, you know, pictures with, with celebrities that I know, know anything about <laughs> what else, <laughs> what else in Tri-Cities? Um, so we talked about places to go um, anywhere along the Columbia. I road bike, so I'm pretty much riding along the river, you know, four times a week. And okay. it never gets old. It never gets old, you know. Um, it's it's beautiful. It, it When I first flew here for the job interview, I thought, hmm, Washington, the evergreen state. And then I start to land and I'm like, oh, this looks like a desert. What, you know, like... Clearly, I didn't do a lot of research. Um, there's a lot of sagebrush and and then, you know, you have the beautiful river. So I think that that really makes the Tri-Cities uh, a great place to live, our beautiful river. Um, obviously, vastly different from the west side of the state, our, our scenery. Um, the other thing that I wanted to recommend, and it's not quite in Tri-Cities, but it's about an hour and a half from the Tri-Cities, is the Vantage area near the Gorge. Um, if you want to go to a concert, I don't know when that is going to be, so that may not be a great recommendation. They have a beautiful venue for concerts, but also I do rock climbing, and Vantage is not super well-known, but in a great place to rock climb. Yeah. Vantage is uh, definitely when you, when you drive across the river in Vantage, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I've gone to many concerts in my years uh, in Washington, many concerts uh, in other places. I will say that my favorite place I've ever been to a concert is, is the gorge. Yep. Absolutely. Just a stunning, beautiful venue. I, I know people will probably speak up and say, Oh, Red Rocks. I haven't been to Red Rocks. I haven't either. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to cautiously say Red Rocks might, might rival the gorge, but in the Northwest, I've, I've not been to a venue that. Yes. I I will say that, you know, to to plan ahead, because if you're going to go, well, who knows when we're going to ever go, like you said, (laughs) but if you're going to go to a show at the gorge in September, it, can get a little chilly at night. And if you think, Oh, it's 80 some degrees and I can go wear shorts and a t-shirt and flip flops right. by 10 o'clock at night, you're going to be pretty cold. Yeah. Bring it back. Um, so plan ahead, but it is, it is absolutely, you know, the gorge is a great venue. Yeah. Beautiful. And highly, then, highly recommend. And then right next door you have, you have that rock climbing. If, if you're into that, uh, it's probably not for everyone, but that would not be my strength, but yes, <laughs> rock climbing is absolutely, um, yeah, there's some great places around around to do that as well. Yep. So what else in the Tri-Cities? I mean, I'm thinking the few times that I've been down there, uh, Badger Mountain. Badger Mountain. Uh, Badger Mountain. Badger Mountain's great. Um, I hike there all the time. It's really uh, nice to hike at night because you can oh. see the city, the, you know, the, the lights. Uh, it's not as hot. And it's definitely not as crowded. It has become way more crowded than I've ever seen it since COVID. Um, yeah. So I, I actually did a about, uh, it was like eight or nine months that I did a tail on a trail. And so I would pick up a dog from our local animal shelter and drive to Badger and hike with the dog, give the dog a little break from the shelter. Oh, cool. And take a picture at the top and say, this is Rocky. He's, you know, three years old and he's a social butterfly or whatever I noted about them. And then I would advertise the dog on our Facebook and in our broadcast. And that was really, uh, really rewarding for the time that I did it. I'm taking a break from it, but, um, but yeah, I'm very, I'm very familiar with Badger. Badger. So and no, then, that's, that's. Oh, go ahead. 
Well, that's a very cool. Um, I, I love what the animal shelters, humane societies are doing in, in this day of social media. Yes. Um, the Wenatchee humane society, I had to unfollow them on Facebook, not unfollow them, but turn off notifications because I probably would have brought hundreds of oh. animals home. They were just, they, they, they have an amazing, uh, they're, they, and it's not, you know, not playing on your heartstrings. It's just like, Hey, here's Buster. Right. The, the Buster's really cool. And, and you're like, Oh, I could use a fourth cat or a 12th <laughs> dog. And so I had to like, kind of like suppress them from my feed because right. I literally would probably go down. And I was thinking about going and being a volunteer there. And I, I had to stop myself because, um, I'm happily married and I don't think I would be if I kept bringing animals home. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like, "Hmm." so I love what they're doing. And I think the the tails on a trail, what a cool idea to get people to take the dog out. The dog gets a, I have to take the credit because it was, it was something that I proposed to them. I, I, I went there for a volunteer shift and I thought, you know, this, it was a little early for my schedule and I was like, you know, I want to volunteer, but I want to do it in a way that I'll be committed to it, you know, because if it's not quite with your schedule or whatever. So I was like, you know what, this would be great because even if the dog isn't adopted through, you know, the Facebook um, advertising or whatever, uh, he or she is still getting a break from the shelter, getting some exercise. And then also I have a big platform working for keeper that I can put this dog out there. And, um, and it, it worked for a lot of them. So it was kind of like a, I would, I would advise to people if you want to volunteer, uh, but something about it doesn't work, but you still want to give back and, you know, you, you, you know, specifically how you want to talk, talk to the organization and, you know, throw out maybe a different scenario Cause that's what, that's what I did and it worked out beautifully. So I think uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That might be good for people to keep in mind because it, it really is. It's so great to give back, you know? So we've had coffee, we've had crepes, yeah. we've gone to lunch with Post Malone, who Scott doesn't know. <laughs> we've gone for a hike. On, we've gone for a hike on Badger Mountain now. Yes. Okay. So we're wrapping up our day. Oh man. Dinner? Are we? Oh, dinner. Okay. I was like, are we thinking of like nighttime activities? Cause like, yeah, we'll get there, but we'll start with dinner. Dinner. <sighs> there's so many good places. Um, there's a sushi place called Shiki. It's by the Costco. They have amazing sushi, but I love any sushi. So I have a pretty, pretty low bar, but they do have really like fancy sushi. I wouldn't say, um, Another place for dinner. Hmm. <sighs> There's so many. So many. Um, I like to go to Jay's Asian Flaming Grill. They have tofu tacos. If you're a meat tofu eater. Tacos. Yeah, I know. I know. It sounds scary. If you're a meat eater, I still would recommend you try these because... I have had other, you know, very diehard carnivores try them and they love them. So, um, Jerry is the owner. I actually did a a segment too, uh, called taste of Tri-Cities for a couple months. And that was obviously not very easy to do when the pandemic first hit, um, because everything was closed. But I was highlighting a lot of our local restaurants, which we have so many good ones. Um, but Jerry's Jay's Asian Flame and Grill is one of them, and he makes the tofu tacos. And I think that that is something that you're not going to find anywhere. Maybe somewhere, but not the way that he does them, right? He does like Asian fusion. So if you're in town, get something that you won't find other places. Also, sure, we're we're gonna go we're going to go for another breakfast, right? You're here for two days. Oh. So go to, go to, okay. go to Spud Nuts. Spud Nuts um, has been around for, I think over 70 years now. It's like 72. I should know the exact number. I did a story with them on their anniversary, but they have um, potato flour donuts, Spud 
spud nuts. They're very good and totally okay. unique to Tri-Cities. Okay. So. So we've got sushi, Asian fusion, and potato f- donuts. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I, I've got to say that those are three. Well, sushi is pretty common, but um, tofu tacos. Oh, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to throw another dinner option out there. So I'm for the most part, usually pretty vegetarian, um, okay. but not everyone's like that. In fact, most people aren't. So if you're one of those people, go to Porter's Real Barbecue. Um, Porter's was featured on Triple D, Diner, okay. Drive-Ins and Dives. Guy Fieri was here. And that place is, it smells amazing. I get the sides. I know, lame. But um, <laughs> I've heard that their meat is very, very delicious. And also, um, Guy Fieri profiled a couple other places. One of them was a Frost Me Suite, and they have the best cupcakes I've ever had in my life. So, I I always find when when a restaurant appears on on that show or any show that for the foreseeable future, getting a table is next to impossible. There was a yeah a place in a place in Puyallup that we used to go to when we lived over there, and could always get a table. Food was great. It's on diners drive DD triple D. And next thing you know, I can't get in. I can't even get in for lunch. Oh my gosh. And good for them, but you know, bad for, bad for me. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's done damage to unintentional damage. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he's not from the restaurant's but, point of view. No, not from the restaurant, the restaurant, the, the, the the owners are probably loving it. Although yeah. Staffing up may be a little challenging, but yeah. Yeah. Better than the alternative. Yeah. That was, that was a big, big deal when he came here because, you know, kind of felt like our little smaller community was getting on the map. So getting on the map. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, he, he definitely, he's a character. Yeah. He definitely is a character. Yeah. So last question and we'll wrap this up. How's that? All right. So your favorite thing to do in the Tri-Cities area, What what is it that so far you've been there for two years? What's the thing about the one thing in Tri-Cities that you will miss if you leave, like if you move away, like you move up, let's say you move to the Seattle market for, yes. for TV news. Let's just say that. What's something in Tri-Cities that you will miss if you weren't there? You know, as simple as it sounds, I think... Uh, Aside from the people here, um, activity-wise, just riding my bike along the river and 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 through different parts of the community, um, and then there's also a little mountain biking area called Chamna. It's a natural preserve, and that is great for mountain biking. So either the river or that area, uh, it's just something that like never gets old. You know, um, it's it's really relaxing to be down by the water. Well, the Columbia is a great river. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. is. It's, it, it's a great river. <laughs> and, uh, no matter where you access it at, it's, it's an interesting. Well, um, my boyfriend and I, I mean, take yesterday, for example, we went on a bike ride in the morning. Then we went on a walk like midday. And then we went longboarding like, at, you know, in the evening, all by the river. All right. right. Like we did three of, you know, very similar things, but um, it just, it doesn't, it's, it's always relaxing. It's really nice. And it's something to, to take advantage of while you have it. Cause I don't know where, where I'll be next. Um, so yeah, learn, learn to love where you're at, especially if you're in a profession like this, where you kind of move around a lot you 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 learn to appreciate things uh, that you won't have forever. Well, and I think the the river absolutely is a pretty to me. It's a pretty magical thing when, here in Wenatchee. I love going down down to the river, yep. walking around. Yep, it's 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 awesome. You guys have it's, great it's really, bike paths too. <laughs> yep, we have great bike paths. We have some some really cool hiking in the area. 
I don't know about rock climbing, so I can't, I can't speak to that. Um, I got to say the best indoor rock climbing gym I've ever been to. And I've been to indoor gyms in Seattle in Portland in California. Uh, your rock climbing gym is fantastic. I have made many day trips to Wenatchee to climb there. Just really? so you know. Yes. Yes. That, I can't think of the name of it. I've been in there once. Um, rock gym? Yeah. I think, I think that certainly sounds believable. Um, <laughs> the fact checkers can, can verify that. Yeah. But no, that's a pretty cool. You're right. That's a pretty cool um, I've been, facility. I've been in a lot of different rock gyms. So that's, that's a pretty, so, pretty good thing <laughs> for you guys. What makes, what makes that one stand out then? What is it about it, it that is the, memorable? I think it's just the, okay. So they have really high walls, first of all, which I, that's hard to find routes that are that long and in that, that high. Um, and just their presentation, they have, you know, little stainless steel um, labels for the uh, the different grades of the routes. So how they're how they're rated. Um, and then, you know, it's just aesthetically very pleasing. The, okay. the cafe area is kind of like cozy, you know, almost like log cabin like. And then there's a, there's a window so you can watch uh, the, uh, the people climbing um, while you're sitting and having pizza or whatever you want to order from there. And there's a little workout area as you're going down to the rock climbing area. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm obsessed with that place. So I was really sad to find out that they're going to be closed for the rest of the year because of COVID. Oh, really? They they, they made that decision. Oh yeah, that is unfortunate. Have you ever, um, have you ever hiked up to Saddle Rock? No, no. Saddle Rock's, Saddle Rock's kind of cool. It's kind of Wenatchee signature. Okay. Um, thing, if you will. It's not, it's not, it's not a technical hike. It's pretty vertical. So it's, if you're out of shape like me, it's, it, it causes some, heart palpitation okay but once you once you get up there it's just this expansive view of the wenatchee valley the columbia river it's it's a pretty cool place uh, uh to go all right uh, so if you when you're you know if you come to wenatchee for any reason you should run up run up to saddle rock and check out it's right out of town it's easy yeah so i i will put that on my list so you could do a video for that because you know to. there you go i would love to so speaking of speaking of your videos yeah if people wanted to find out more about you and what you're doing, where can they find you? Type in Eliana Sheriff on YouTube and you will find my channel. That's E-L-I-A-N-A and then S-H-E-R-I-F-F, like Deputy Sheriff. I oh, know. Hey, how you doing? Um, and, <laughs> uh, and so they'll, they'll find it. And, you know, I'm kind of in my infancy stage here on YouTube, but um I just got a new camera and so I will be making a lot of vlogs because man, there's just so much, so much stuff to do in Washington um, and the Pacific Northwest. It's not maybe only Washington, uh, yeah. but um, yeah. Well, all I care about is Washington. We're just all about or Washington. So we don't care if you cross into Oregon or Idaho. We just don't care. Yeah, don't care. Um, <laughs> no, just, no. Portland's dead to us. No, just kidding. Just, just kidding. Portland's a great city. So thank you for being a guest and yeah. we'll put some links in the, in, in the show page there to uh, tie into a couple of things we'll put into your, uh, your YouTube channel and all that will be there for the, for the audience if they want to check it out. And um, yeah, thank you. This has been fun for me. I've enjoyed, um, uh, I've enjoyed chatting with you and uh, more to come. Welcome back anytime. Join us. If you'd like to be on another episode, let us know. We'd ha- be happy to have you on and uh we look forward to getting this one published and having it out there shortly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun and not as scary as I thought it was going to be. It's not, it's not supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be just this casual conversation. So it's all good. Like I said before, I am the one who asks the questions. So to answer them is, is uh, I, I have a, you know, sympathy for our our interviewees (laughs) because it's hard. 
hard. It's hard to be on the spot oh. sometimes. Not that these questions were particular. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. They're not trying to stump the band here. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. All righty. Take care. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.